You're tuning in to the Race by Rentals program. This podcast will contain strong language and spoilers for decades-old media properties. Welcome, everybody. This is the podcast where we examine pop culture franchises of the VHS era, improv news stories, and go on long-winded rants about our favorite movies, TV shows, and games. I'm Josh. I'm Mike. And we were raised by rentals. Mike, I don't know about you, but I grew up on the Nintendo Entertainment System. I grew up more on the Commodore 64 because uh, my family, for whatever reason, did not want to buy an NES. But I played a lot of it at my friends' houses. You know, and then I never had the, the Sega Genesis, but I was always, like, really jealous of the, the Sega Genesis later on. And uh, I, I'm not very familiar with a lot of the games for that system, except for some of the arcade versions of things like... Was an Altered Beast like a big one on the Genesis? Yep. See, this yep. is how much I know. I just <laughs> I looked at it from afar. But <laughs> the uh, but man, the the NES, the NES, or whatever the kids say these days, <laughs> you know, obviously a groundbreaking video game platform, and there were so many amazing games, uh, and that's what made the NES, I think, such a giant hit, right? Obviously. Oh, absolutely. You know, the Super Mario Brothers and, um, or Bros, which <laughs> we're going to stop right here before I continue the list of awesome NES games, because isn't it Super Mario Brothers? Like, isn't the Bros like just an like a, like a shortening or an abbreviation of the word Brothers? That's what I always assume. Yeah, because every video game like Twitch streamer or YouTube, like long play or whatever I see whenever I'm watching these like, you know, world record, uh, like speed runs, people always pronounce the game Super Mario Bros. Like that's the name of it. And I'm like, you guys, you guys don't understand. Like there's a period at the end because it's like <laughs> they were abbreviating it. It's Super Mario <laughs> Brothers. Like, oh, damn kids get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Anyway, so we had that. We had like, you know, The Legend of Zelda. You know, Metroid, like amazing classics, like groundbreaking games that influenced a whole generation of kids that, you know, made Nintendo a, a hugely successful company, spawned all kinds of, you know, cartoons and, and toys and merch and adaptations and copycats and more than one generation following to carry on the legacy of these absolutely like legendary games on the first, I would say, like ubiquitous video game console, right? Even more yeah. successful than the Atari. Am I wrong? No, I'd say that's absolutely correct. So why, Mike, why were so many of the games for the NES just absolute shit? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the early days of gaming when basically all you needed was a title to sell your wares. Um, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of stuff back in the early days where it was like, you know, a company would uh, would hire a single programmer or in, if you were lucky, like a team of three people uh, to program this game and give you like a week to do it. You know, uh, I know the what was it E.T. was notoriously like a short turnaround and it was like one dude, you know, <laughs> so it was like this horrible programming schedule. But a lot of these games had that quick turnaround or they would use like pre-existing code from like Japanese games like they would take. Uh, for example, one of the most famous ones is Super Mario Brothers 2, where I forget the original game in Japan, but it was this whole other game, and they just kind of reskinned it. Doki Doki Panic. 
Thank you. Yeah, I I never remember it. (laughs) But yeah, so like you would see a lot of that. Now, one of the biggest problems, though, uh, with early video games is film and television adaptations. Um, We've talked about this on other episodes, but LJN was notorious for it. They, They were like like so much so that like for the angry video game nerd, like they're his nemesis in that series. (laughs) Um, But LJN famously would scoop up film rights to do uh, video games and then would just pump out shit. It was like a shit factory for all these horrible uh, film adaptations of games. And of course, you know, you're a kid, you're excited. You're like, holy shit, there's a fucking Friday the 13th game and you're going to run out and play it. And then you're going to be disappointed. (laughs) You know, so yeah, just absolute garbage. Yeah, LGN was a toy company that used to make you know toys based on licensed properties. That was his whole yep. shtick, and then it somehow, or for for some reason, got into the video game market. But really, I think the company leadership just saw the video game market as ah, it's just another toy. Like who gives a shit? Like they yep. weren't thinking about high quality. They weren't thinking about playability. They were just thinking about like cha-ching, right? How do how do we cash in to get our money back on this intellectual property that we paid for and just pump something out quick and simple and put an iconic movie poster or image on the cover of the box all the kids like you said they'll freak out and be like oh god there's a jaws game that's so cool fucking ghostbusters yeah <laughs> and or whatever I, I don't even know lgn made ghostbusters i'm just saying like you see this awesome properties and you want to snatch it up because you're like oh this is going to be so cool and mm-hmm. it's just you know yeah it becomes just this absolute trash and <laughs> it always reminds me of john uh john lithgow's character from santa claus the movie i don't know if you've ever remember this movie yes. where john lithgow plays this like you know toy company executive who just doesn't give a shit that all of his teddy bears are full of like sawdust and broken glass <laughs> as long as they sell you know <laughs> oh yeah. that's awesome <laughs> Going for the deep cuts here on the Raise My <laughs> Rentals program. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. So, yeah, some of these games fucking sucked. And I think the one that for me personally was the worst in terms of, you know, a video game adaptation that could have been cool. And and I don't want to just pick specifically on LGN because, frankly, I don't have – I don't give a shit enough to go back and do the research <laughs> to figure out like which company made which steaming pile of crap because at the end they're all just dung. Um, oh, yeah. But you know, for me personally, I think the Karate Kid game was the one that I was the most disappointed with because you know while there's like a couple of like fun things to do, it, most of it was just so hard and so pointless yeah. and a little bit like a slight gripe in that it's actually Karate Kid Part Two. Because yep. that, as opposed to the first game, so you know it was a little bit con- confusing why they just skipped ahead to like the Okinawa sequence, but whatever. Like the game was so fucking disappointing. And as a kid who, like every other kid born in 1980, like signed up for karate lessons when I was like six <laughs> years old because Daniel Larusso was the shit and Cobra Kai never die. I was so so disappointed in that fucking game, man. It was so terrible. <laughs> well, uh, you'll be happy to know that was uh, LJN's doing. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> One for me um, that isn't LJN, but was like the bane of, of my, my childhood existence uh, was Top Gun from uh, oh. 1986 on the NES. And, it you know, it pissed me off because I wasn't huge into flight simulators to begin with. But I was determined to land that fucking jet on the aircraft carrier, and I never could do it. 
Oh, never, man. I mean, fuck, I could I could refuel the the jet. Like I figured that shit out eventually, right. but how do you land it? Exactly. To this day, I've never seen the end of that game. I've never even like watched it on like a stream, like you know, speed run or some shit, because Same. I'm like, I, I don't even want to. Like it just, it makes me so mad just <laughs> looking at it that even yeah. if I were curious to go see like an awesome game done quick or something, I would just turn it off as soon as that like fucking aircraft carrier <laughs> showed up on screen. Oh, see I'm now the PTSD. one <laughs> the one bad uh movie adaptation game that I actually did see it all the way through and did complete was Jaws. Oh, really? Remember, you finished it. Yeah, I remember god, this had to be like maybe 1990, like I I know I w- I was still uh, going to Catholic school, so I was in a, in elementary school. Um but <laughs> this this kid uh, I'm going to I'm going to not say his last name cuz we could uh yeah, I don't want to call him out, but this this other Mike that I knew, um, he had you know, he was one of my friends that had a Nintendo. So like anytime I slept over his house, we just basically sp- stayed up all night playing Nintendo and we were determined to see the end of Jaws. And it was one of those gaming sessions where like we were playing into the night, but we were falling asleep. So we paused it and like turned off the TV, but left the Nintendo on <laughs> you know, so we could yeah. come back and <laughs> I've done. But we we did finally beat it, and it's 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 very underwhelming when you finally kill Jaws. But you know, yeah, I I remember that was like a feather in my cap. Like we were like, we beat Jaws, we did it. But uh, oh yeah, well it's, oh, it's not good. See, and you mentioned that too because there were so many Nintendo games where you would work so hard and fight so much to win the game, and then it would be like, congratulations, you won, and then go back to the title screen. Like that, that's all I get. Like. <laughs> Congrats, sucker! <laughs> My favorite is when the when, when it's badly uh, like it's misspelled because it was oh, like yeah the, something got lost in translation, so it's like congratulations, Elizabeth. You know, it's like <laughs> oh my god, I forget yeah. which game it was. It might have been it might be Ghouls and Ghosts. There, there's one famously that uh, the anger video game nerd did a whole tirade about, and at the very end, it was like congrats. And he was like, the hell? <laughs> like, he got all pissed off because it was spelled wrong. <laughs> like, 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 that's all I get? Oh, right. man. I, I, I want to say it was the Rambo game, too, that had one of those endings. Like, it wasn't misspelled, but it was just like, congratulations, and then title screen. Like, like, yep. like seriously? <laughs> that's all I get? And yeah. that game had, like, a story. It's even more shitty when they have, like, a story to them where it's like, can I, I couldn't even get, like, the end of the story. Can you give me, like, a, you know, like, a? can we wrap this up, have a little denouement? But, you know, we, we, don't, we don't get anything. <laughs> oh. uh, and then on on the flip side to that, like, and, and I know we're jumping uh, systems here, but there was a video game on the Sega CD back in the 90s called Snatcher. And it was very much like a Blade Runner style game. I freaking love this game. You're, you're like this future detective hunting down like synthoids that are replacing humans and all that. It's, it's a really fun game, but totally Blade Runner. Um, very anime heavy. The end of that game was over a half an hour. <laughs> like, oh, jeez. <laughs> it was like cutscene after cutscene after dialogue. Scene. I'm sitting there like, what? It, when? when is it going to be over? Like... Like you're you're wrapping up every character's story that I talked to throughout the entire game. 
But, oh, we'll see. And yeah, that's, that's definitely overkill, but it's definitely nice to have like some wrap up to like, Oh hell yeah. I don't really play a lot of video games now, but I definitely like, that's still kind of a trend. Like even with something like, you know, breath of the wild, like there's so many cutscenes after you, you know, defeat calamity Ganon. And I guess there's like different ones based on like, if you did a hundred percent or how long you played or whatever, but it's just like, right. I, like it's nice to have some kind of an ending of like, hooray, like we saved the world. And here's all your friends cheering as like credits roll. But like, I don't, I don't really want to watch any more cutscenes at this point. It's right. like I beat the game and the cutscenes suck in the first place when you interrupt the game to show me some freaking mini movie that I can't skip. And mm-hmm. it's even stupider when now it's at the end of the game and like, okay, I'm done. And I just want to turn the system off and go to bed because, <laughs> you know, and go enjoy the satisfaction of, you know, beating this thing. And now I got to sit here and like click, 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 click the A button so I can speed through yep. this freaking, you know, dialogue or cutscene or whatever the hell. See, now, a trend I do enjoy uh, that they, they do in some games, uh, especially story-heavy games, like uh, The Last of Us Part Two, um, the ending, like, it, there is kind of, like, almost like a multi-tiered ending because you find out what happens to different characters, but you're kind of playing it, so it's like you, you've you've won, like, you've, def- you've done what you set out to do, but you're still controlling the character as they, like, go through uh, the, the, the scenery to discover what happened to different characters. And oh, so yeah. it's like, That's you're still cool. kind of playing it, even though you're, you're wrapping up the story. So I like that. But, yeah, that's definitely cool. I could definitely enjoy something like that. You know, we probably, we probably need to go on another rant sometime about like dumb video game like tropes or like yeah. stupid stupid crap that they put in the game. You know, like you know, just stick to Breath of the Wild for a second, just because it happens to be a game that I know something about. Uh, so I don't, I'm not really much of a gamer these days. Um, <laughs> But, like, there's so many things in that game that are just absolutely, like, amazing. Like, it, you can't bag on that game really at all. But then there's just some things that are just stupid. And I know that it goes beyond, like, just that one game. Like, there's the trend of, like, you know, like the the side quest collector hunt, you know, the oh, you're constantly. Yeah. You know, the constantly searching out the the stupid like little Easter eggs or whatever it is you got to collect. And then the prize is always something really lame. Like it's not worth the hours and hours that you played to go on this like fetch quest to find everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, famously, the stupid Korok prize in Breath of the Wild that is not worth it. Not even not even close. Like <laughs> it's got to be one of the most disappointing like fetch quest prizes of all time to find 900 Korok seeds and then get basically a Korok seed, like, as the prize. <laughs> like, seriously? And I did it, man. I did all fucking 900 of them. And I'm like, oh, this is so stupid. Um, that, that's, why, that's, why, that's why I don't play a lot of games, because I'm too much of a completionist. I can't help myself. Um, but also, like, the, it, it sucks when you, you get a really cool item, but you get it so late in the game that it's damn near useless at that oh, point. Yeah. You know, yeah. like in Breath of the Wild, it's like the Master Cycle Zero or in Legend of Zelda, the Twilight Princess. There's I forget what it's called. I think it's just called the Magic Armor, but it's this it's armor that you wear and it like eats up your rupees as you're wearing it. But like, again, you get it oh, so late yeah. in the game. It's like there's not even any point to even using it. Like you don't need it at that point, because if you've gotten that far in the game, you should be so OP that there's yeah. no point to even getting it. Like and it just becomes this other little trophy that you get to put in your inventory and never use. <laughs> See, the thing that, that I hate is, like, in, in first-person shooter games, uh, when you finally get, like, the, the mega weapon, like the, real, like, the really strong weapon, you know, I always end up, like, this just, I don't know if it's just me or, or if other people do this, but I always end up being like, oh, I need to hold on to it and use that for, like, a specific fight. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to waste it. And then yep. I end up never using it. 
Um, like yeah. in yeah. all of all of the Fallout games, I, I would get the the freaking um, mini nuke launcher, and I'd be like, all right, like especially the one that can like volley four mini nukes, and I'm like, all right, hold on to that for a boss fight, and then I never fucking use the damn thing. <laughs> like I'm just carrying this freaking mini nuke around, never using it. Yeah, just like taking up space in your inventory or whatever, you know. Yeah. Like, like I would always prefer if it's like, look, yeah, the, in, in like the you know the first playthrough or whatever, like you just played the game, you get to the end, you beat them, and like you're collecting weapons or items or whatever it is. But then, on a replay, it, like if I'm the kind of player who like I'm a completionist, so like if I know, okay, so instead of going to like the big bad, if I go and I collect all this crap and all these items and do all the fetch quests and all the side quests and blah 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 blah, I should be able to collect all these really really cool items and then be able to play the rest of the game as in like god mode and I could just do whatever right. I want because I'm just blowing <laughs> everybody away. But yet there's still game left to play. Like, and that's what I want. I want to be able to go through and play the game, but just make it so that I'm just like murdering bad guys. Like, you know, the hand of God, oh, yeah. Like that's what I want to do instead yeah. of like giving me something that's like so overpowerful, but there's literally nothing left to do, but like maybe the final fight, like, yeah, you know, and See, in some cases I, it's like DLC bullshit. So then you don't even get to even do that because you've already beaten the game. And now it's like some extra add on stuff. Right. See, I liked uh, was that the Resident Evil 3 remake that came out uh, in 2020, um, you know, you, you basically earned uh, tokens by, like, completing sections of the game or, like, doing certain things like, you know, shooting so many zombies in the head, stuff like that. You would get little, like, achievements. And those tokens would be able, you could spend in a store in the menu to buy, like, better better weapons that you then just have on any playthrough. So, like... I beat that game so many because, I mean, it was freaking start of COVID. I'm like, what else am I doing? So I just sat there playing, you know, Resident Evil 3 over and over, like mastering the controls of this freaking game and like bumping it up to nightmare mode and like, you know, just deking out zombies in the nemesis left and right. And, <laughs> yeah. and eventually I got like the infinite rocket launcher and just ran through like a god destroying everything. Yeah, I'm like, See, that's what I want to do. <laughs> that's what I want to do. Like, yeah, like in back to Breath of the Wild, like, you get this Master Cycle Zero in, in the DLC, and it, it's just, it's literally like a motorcycle that can, like, almost go anywhere, and it's like, oh, this is fucking badass. Like, it's like Link on a motorcycle, except by the time you are able to get it, there's nothing left to do. Like, and if you have right. anything left to do, like, okay, yeah, sure, maybe you can go beat some shrine dungeons or something, but, like, there's nothing substantial left in the game at that point, because if you've gotten that far, like, you might as well just you'd go defeat Ganon and call it a day, you know, like, so it's like, well, what's the point of even putting the fucking motorcycle in the game? Whereas exactly. if the, if it was a side quest that you could do earlier on and it was just like super hard, maybe it would be worth it. And now there's probably people listening to this going, well, um, actually you could. And I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah, but fuck you because it's so hard to get the game. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's so hard to like get to that point in the game that like, I mean, yeah, like, you know, a seasoned pro or somebody who's really good at it probably could get it earlier in the game. But I'm talking like, you know, how many millions of people are playing that? Not everybody right. is going to be like, you know, Twitch stream level, pro level. Like you want to be able to put something in the game that like the average person could say, OK, I'm going to put the time in, dedicate myself, do this side quest, get something cool and get a cool reward that I can actually use. And I think, anyway. I think that, that brings us back full circle to uh, to something that we sh we should talk about here with. The, the old NES games, uh, specifically the ones based on films, you know, it, it it was just the average player. You know, back then we were, I mean, shit, we were all kids. And a lot, I'm sure there was plenty of adults playing NES. In fact, I know there was. But 
most people were casual gamers because gaming was still in its infancy. You know, nowadays you have people that are, you know, pro gamers. They actually make money playing video games. That shit didn't happen in the 80s. Like, yeah, there were contests. You know, there was a movie about it, The Wizard. (laughs) But it's like, there (laughs) there weren't like, you know, I mean, there was that famous Atari contest with, uh, was it Adventure or whatever that game was, where, you know, you could actually win like golden treasure and money and all that. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff like that throughout the history of gaming. But for the most part, it was just it was considered like television. It was just something that you did for entertainment in your downtime. You know, and most kids, it was like you looked forward to the weekend so you could rent a video game. And that was the game you had all weekend. So you played that game, whether it was bad or good. You played that game. And we all fell into the trap of getting very excited about a property that we loved getting a game and then playing that game and being like, oh, <laughs> oh, like, and, oh, shit, I just wasted my money. Right. And I think uh, one of the most famous of this is the Friday the 13th game on NES. Um, now, I, I would like to propose uh, like that we revamp this in, in, in a new way and make it to be a fun game. But I will say this. When we were talking about these old games, I did go back and replay Friday the 13th this week. Um, I hate to admit this. It's not as bad as I always believed it to be. It's not as bad if you know what you're doing. (laughs) Ah, see, there's the rub. (laughs) That's the key. Because nowadays there's plenty of games that that, that just drop you in and you don't know what to do. Like one of my favorites like that is a game called Don't Starve. The only reason I became so good at this game is because I love the art style. It's fucking gorgeous. Um, But I kept playing. Like, I had no idea what I was doing. I died so many times. And it's roguelike in the sense that it's permadeath. When you die, you start over. It doesn't matter how many days you survived. You're starting over. There are ways to combat that, but the game doesn't tell you. You have to figure it out along the way. And there's so many, like, weird, really weird uh additions to that game that like you wouldn't expect so the whole thing is a big mystery as an adult i enjoy that as a child i hated that type of gameplay i wanted to know what i was supposed to do and friday the 13th did not hold your hand in any way shape or form (laughs) it was just like good luck and then suddenly there's an alarm going off there's zombies coming at you like what's happening I know, you know. And, and, and there's like clues in the game, but like you have to get so far into like the woods or a cave or some bullshit to even find the clue that, yeah, it's like it might as well not even be there. Right. And, and that, I mean, because, OK, so let, let, let's break it down. The, the game, it's a uh, side scrolling, mo- mostly side scrolling game, um, early survival horror. I mean, they called it survival horror, but it was mostly kind of a platforming style thing. But you would you take uh, control of one of the counselors. I think there was like six or something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you take control of one of the counselors and you run around from cabin to cabin looking for Jason. Um, you have to defeat Jason three times. If you fight him outside, it's very much like your standard, you know, NES style, like Mega Man type fight where you're just you're throwing rocks or whatever weapon you have at Jason, <laughs> dodging right. axes as he throws them. Um, and if you find him inside, it's very much like Mike Tyson's punch out. So you got to like deke out his his machete swings and his punches <laughs> and you got to hit him with Oof. rocks until he runs away. <laughs> God. And, but again, as a kid, I didn't know I had to beat him three times. I was just like, holy shit, it's Jason. Then I would die. 
know, it's like, wow. Let me stop you right there, because that was the experience that every fucking kid had in 1989 when LJN yep. put this fucking game out, because of, of course it was LJN, right? Of course. It's, that was the experience <laughs> that every game had. You would be like, oh, shit, it's Jason, and the, mo- the music would get, like, scary for a second, and then you would die. And that was it. That's how everybody ended the game and like oh well let me try that again and oh shit it's jason dead oh shit it's jason dead just over and over again like yep. and there were, yeah you had no idea and you had no idea what to do you didn't know you had to fight him you didn't or like or like you would fight him and like he would run away or and they'd be like you know you survived for now and it's like well, what does that mean like is he gonna come back like <laughs> i remember playing this game and i had no idea what to do you know and they used to the nintendo games used to come with like little booklets that would like try to give you like clues or tell you what the story is whatever but right. and i don't know about you but the video game rental store that I used to go to in the pre-blockbuster mm-hmm. days, the little local shop, they'd stick that game in like a plastic like clamshell case, and that was all you got was the cartridge. Like you didn't yeah. get the box, you didn't get. I mean, you were maybe lucky if you got the booklet, but probably someone who rented it before you, like you know, forgot to return that shit, and the store doesn't care. And so, like, I had no idea what you were supposed to do. The game doesn't tell you. It's just wandering around aimlessly. Oh shit, there's Jason, and I'm dead. You know. <laughs> Well, and, and the worst part is like your weapon, you start off with rocks and you throw it on an arc. So like the only way and there, there's zombies for some reason, because, of course, there are. So the, these zombie enemies keep coming up from the ground, like in freaking ghouls and ghosts. And you have to like duck to be able to hit them with the rock. So you got to duck down and throw them. But again, as a kid, you don't know that you're just like, why? Why can I not hit him? So you keep backing up and trying to throw it and make the arc hit him. But then, you know, a zombie comes up from behind you and starts hitting you. So it's like it was very frustrating. It was very confusing. The map system is also very confusing because there's it's like an early 3D where there's like paths that go back or forward. um, But you're still on a side scrolling path. And then out of nowhere, this alarm would start ringing. And you're like, what's what's the alarm? What's going on? And then if you look at the map, you would see a cabin somewhere at Crystal Lake blinking. And you had to make your way to that cabin to rescue the counselor or child that was in trouble um, and then look around the cabin. And usually Jason was there and then you'd fight in that Mike Tyson punch out style fight. Um, But if you didn't get there in time, one of the counselors would die. And this is also a rare example of like there's there's kids that apparently Jason kills like you never see it. Yeah. But like so Jason will kill the kids in this game. (laughs) Um. But yeah, it's it's weird shit. Like there's there's wolves, there's birds, there's Jason's mother's floating severed head. That's like the <laughs> the Medusa heads from Castlevania. <laughs> yeah, so I remember. Yeah, I remember getting to that like once or twice, and I thought I was like getting. Oh, I'm getting so far in the game. It's like the mini boss or whatever. But of course, right. like dead. You know, dead, dead. Right. You know, that was just my experience with. It. And you mentioned the map system, and I remember it being so confusing too because. Like the path around, like around the lake to the cabins is like kind of circular. So depending on where you were, if you were on like the north or south part of the map, in the side scrolling sections, you could walk like left or right. But it was confusing to know is left always west and right is always east because it can actually be backwards. And so like what happened to me, like damn near every single time is the alarm would go off. Now, granted, I'm like nine years old playing this game, right? So keep that in mind. Yep. But like the alarm would go off. I'd be like, oh, shit, check the map. Jason's all the way across the map from where I am, of course. And I go running off 
I go running off because I'm in my head. I'm picturing, okay, Jason is to the left of me on the map screen. So I go back to the side scroll. I start walking to the left because that's like, you know, my natural understanding of like spatial distances. (laughs) And then I look at the map again and I'm like, why am I farther away now? And it's like, no, no, I have to, I have to go to the side scrolling. You have to imagine that you're in a three dimensional space in a circle. And it's like, okay, so no, I, in order to get, you know, to the, to the uh, to the left, I have to walk to the right because it's like I'm freaking going around the <laughs> globe or some shit. Like Columbus, who didn't understand how big the Earth was, you know? <laughs> it's exactly. Ah, oh, I could never get there in time. It was so frustrating. I get so disoriented constantly. Well, and and that's the thing. Like especially as a kid, like we we have to keep putting that that out there. Uh, for anyone listening, I mean, I'm sure people listening uh, that are our age will remember having this exact experience but as a kid trying to to wrap your brain around what this game wanted you to do was so difficult and really at the end of the day all we want to do is kill jason it's like you just want to fight jason so it was very difficult and now like i said as an adult going back and playing it understanding what i'm supposed to do like having read a synopsis and like oh okay yeah so i gotta beat him three times okay let's let's go like I actually was a, I didn't beat the game, but I was actually able to beat him in a couple fights. Like, I'm like, oh, look, I, I got this Deacon out thing down. Like, it took me a couple tries, but I got it. Like, but I'm also a 42 year old man that's been playing video games since I was four. Yeah. <laughs> so, and you have the, ben- the benefit of the Internet, which when the right. game came out, like, didn't exist to the public. You know what I mean? So, like, exactly. we, we, we what we had was, like, Nintendo Power, who, you know, the, mag- <laughs> the you, I mean, the magazine, right? And I remember going to the store and buying, like, the Nintendo Power, like, strategy guides and stuff for, like, Super Mario Bros. 3 and being so excited to finally understand all the secrets of the game or get an actual map of the original Legend of Zelda world so you could figure out, you know, the weird, like, uh, you know, there was weird map uh, mechanics where you would walk off the edge and like, it'd be like, you'd circle you back to the other side or whatever. Like the right. strategy guides and Nintendo power was like the, you know, that was the the source of all knowledge. And now you just have the internet. So you just go look this shit up and it's like, Oh, I gotta be him three times. I gotta go over here. And like, Oh, this character is faster than this character. And this character can roll faster. So I know which one to pick. And it's like, you can, yep. you know, you can like plan your strategy. But back then it was just like, you know, let's hope the next issue of Nintendo Power happens to mention this one game out of, like, the hundreds that are out there. And yep. Nintendo Power hated the fucking game. They were always, like, bashing it and, like, you know, and, like, ranking it poorly. So they weren't going to waste their space, you know, <laughs> doing a strategy guide or a walkthrough or some shit. And that, so you just left swinging in the dark. And, like, for me, my first experience with Friday the 13th was on the Commodore 64. And now, arguably, the NES is a much better video game than the Commodore 64 version. But the Commodore 64 game was, uh, was successful in, in ways that the NES one wasn't. Um, what I mean by that is it actually was scary. The, you would wander around and it, I mean, this is, you know, a step up from Atari. So there really isn't much story here, but you would wander around as one of several counselors and you had to find out, where Jason was like, who, who was Jason? It was basically, they took a page out of Friday the 13th five and you had like, it was basically Roy, you know, <laughs> I mean, cause it was a, it was somebody, it was Jason dressed as another counselor. So, and how, how okay. do you think, how do you figure it out? Like, how do you figure out the mystery? Well, you pick up a fucking ax and you whack your friends with it. <laughs> <laughs> as one does. <laughs> right. And when you do that, he'll like, if it's Jason, 
he'll flash and you'll see like it's it's a man dressed in black, no hockey mask, just a man dressed in black with black hair. And you have to hit him repeatedly until he dies. And then, you know, it loops around and starts over and and you, you do it again and it gets harder and harder <laughs> the more you do it, just like any old game does. Um, but yet again, you had to find you had to find him before he killed counselors. And when Jason would kill a counselor, sometimes you would get like this loud scream and a flash of like something grotesque on the screen, like a head with a machete in it or mm-hmm. like a bunch of bloody skulls. Or And again, playing that at like six years old and hearing like the, the music it was like some MIDI file of classical music playing. So it's like getting louder and louder and louder. And then finally, it's like this digitized scream and a bloody skull on the screen. It scared the shit out of me. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, But like. That was my experience with Friday the 13th because we had that. And then I, you know, like I said, we, we rented uh, Friday the 13th when I was at my friend Jeff's house and we were just confused as all hell. So what I want to propose is taking in, into consideration the games that were out at the time, uh, you know, setting it firmly in 1989 when it did come out. If we were given the task to make a Friday the 13th game, what would we do? And I personally think I have a fun idea, but I want to see what you what you got. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. And uh, especially since this is a rental rant episode, I, th- I like the idea of uh, mixing up some of our like improv improve uh, format into this episode, you know, keep things interesting. I'm down. Um, so you said something before about like what you want to do, like what you want to do in the game is you want to find Jason, you want to fight Jason, you know, and. I'm going to ask that question. I'm curious to know what your idea is, but I guess the question is like, do you want that in the game or do you want to be Jason? Like what's the point of view of the main character? Because in in reality in the late eighties, early nineties, I don't know if like parent groups or whatever would would have been okay with some game where (laughs) the point of view character is, you know, like a six and seven foot tall undead killer, you know, going around just like slaughtering teenagers. That would have been the game I wanted to play. (laughs) Considering Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the Atari where you played as Leatherface was banned. uh, Yeah, I would I would guess they would ban it. (laughs) Yeah. So I think we, we might just want, you know, unless you uh, want to disagree with me, I think we're just going to kind of throw it out there that I think we're going to be stuck with, okay, so I guess we're going to have to be either a counselor or a camper or some like, you know, civilian who is happens to be at Crystal Lake and who is encountering yes. Jason in some way. And, you know, and to, to that point is like, do we want it to be the thing where we're trying to save counselors like in this game? Are we trying to save kids? You know, or, you know, are we just trying to survive ourselves because, you know, Jason is coming, you know, right. It's a really interesting uh, concept based that this LJN game did, which is that you're actually seeking out Jason for most of the game. Like you're purposely trying to find him, whereas I feel like in pretty much most of the movies with some exceptions, but most of the movies were like people trying to not get killed and get away from (laughs) Jason, trying to fucking escape. (laughs) Well, here's I, I like the idea of of trying to stop Jason. Like, I think that should be the point of the game. And my thought is this came out in 1989. Um, let me see here. I have it on my screen. Yeah, February of 1989. So this came out before Jason Takes Manhattan. So at this point, as far as the mythology of the films go, we only have up to part seven to play with. And maybe not even seven, because Lord only knows how, like, when they started working on this game. 
like maybe seven was too new, so they weren't even thinking about it. But let, let's say for the sake of argument, yeah. part seven is in the mix. The only thing I know about part seven in this game in terms of timing is that the cover of the NES game has yes. the, the, the the screenshot or whatever is Jason from part seven, like yep. swinging, a, holding the axe over whatever that chick with the pearl necklace's <laughs> name was. I yeah, the, name. <laughs> oh, the blonde. Yeah. Yeah. Where she, gets, she gets it in the head with the axe. <laughs> such a satisfying kill because she was such a bitch. But oh, yeah. uh, anyway, yeah. So we, it, at least, the, part seven at least existed, but yeah, probably not during development. So here's here's what I'm thinking, because it, it's they, they build it as a survival horror, but they played it like a platformer. And I understand why they did that, because platformers were all the rage. That was an LJN is just looking at money. But if we're given the keys to the kingdom, we're not just looking at money. We're looking at actual playability and gameplay. I think how you make a successful Friday the 13th game in the 80s, where you still make it scary, is you make it like Maniac Mansion. You make it a point and click adventure style game okay. where you, you have to find items. You have to like stop certain you know events from happening. And the whole time Jason is lurking. So around you, it basically would take place in Camp Crystal Lake. You'd have the different cabins as your different rooms and environments you would go into. And you would have characters like Tommy Jarvis, uh, Ginny Field, Chris Higgins, Tina Shepard, like, you know, the, the survivors from the from the games up to that point. And I think what would make for a really fun game is if the survivors all came to Camp Crystal Lake to try to stop Jason once and for all. So the point would be to find him and stop him, depending on which character you're playing as. So, like, let's say for Tommy, you would have to get items and, and lure Jason to the lake. And then you'd have, like, the mini game of, like, Jason popping up out of the water and trying to throw the chain around his neck and sink him to the bottom of the lake. So you win the game that way. Uh, like maybe with Tina, you have to like trick him into a in, into a cabin filled with gasoline and she uses her spooky mind <laughs> powers to blow it up, you know, like have different endings depending on the character. And much like those old point and click adventure games, like you would have so many characters to choose from. And if you lost, you know, like if they died or got it, you know, in, in the case of Maniac Mansion, got imprisoned, um, you know, you were down to like you know, one or two characters left to, to try to beat the game with, and it became infinitely harder. Okay, so I, yeah. I think that that would have been a really fun method. Yeah, no, I think that's a great idea. And yeah, it, it's almost like, like with Maniac Mansion, it's almost like several different games like built into one right like different scenarios right like you said it's a sort of a choose your own adventure kind of a setup where you start off in in a certain place and then based on the combination of characters that you use and or survive that that's what uh what determines like the story line that you're able to follow right yeah and it's kind of similar to our like christmas the 13th episode going way back to our debut <laughs> episode where we were like hey let's bring back like tommy jarvis and like tina from part six and part seven respectively and have them like team up and you know yeah. and uh and work out their, their psychological trauma and like stop jason once and for all yeah so it's a pretty similar idea i think it's a great idea um yeah we bring the characters together and we put them in is the setting then like just crystal lake and we have like different cabins and maybe there's like a mess hall and like an oh, archery yeah. range like from the first one yeah and i and i think uh there would have to be stuff like there you could you could take elements from other adventure games primarily i'm i'm i'm, I'm pulling from the lucasfilm games of the 80s uh, but there were games like labyrinth and zach mccracken and the alien mindbenders and all that where there were 
platformy aspects. Like I know in Labyrinth, there was a mini game where when you were outside of the castle, you had to throw rocks at goblins popping up in the windows and you had to like time it just right. So like maybe it could be something like, you know, if you're at the archery range, like maybe Jason's like shooting arrows at you and you got to time it just right to get across the field. Um, yeah. Yeah, there'd be, there would definitely have to be gamey elements like that, mm-hmm. where like you could get killed in a single hit if you're not careful, uh, just you know for replayability factor and you know being the '80s with limited stuff, <laughs> limited technology, you know we got to keep that all in mind. Um, but yeah, I think the whole thing should be like a mystery and trying to keep the campers alive. Like maybe that's that's the the race against the clock thing is if you don't complete certain scenarios in certain amounts of time. You know, Jason's going to kill another camper. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think in the in the mythology of the series at the time, post part six, Jason lives. I think having Jason kill kids. Well, yeah, not really kids. work. I, I, yeah, I guess counselors. I should say. Well, I'm, I think even campers could work, but whatever it is, there should be some story element that's like whoever is at the camp, they're at least teenagers, if not older. Yes. Like like in – I think it was Friday the 13th Part 2 where it was actually like a counselor training session, and that's why there were so many people there at once, like just adults, like with no kids. Yeah, um, yeah so something like that, or like it's an adult camp, or it's the – the, you know, the counselors like, you know, free weekend or whatever it is. Right. So something so that we can have some some people there to be our fodder without without right. killing, you know, little <laughs> Alice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I like the idea of the art. Like I said, the archery range where it's like, yeah, there's just arrows coming out of like the darkness and you have to like get across. And I think it would be interesting if like like I'm thinking of a kitchen sequence, or like a mess hall where what if part of it is as you're going along, there has to be some kind of like MacGuffin type items or, you know, collector collecting items. And maybe it's just a matter of like, get the weapons or potential deadly objects like away so that Jason doesn't get to them, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause I have, that happened in the movies a lot where it was like, you know, you, the camera would pan into a scene and you would see something there like a knife or a harpoon or, you know, like a right. noise maker or something. <laughs> and then like the camera would pan back and it would be gone. Like, Oh, Jason took it, you know, yep. and he, he's famously loves to kill people with like found objects, you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's one of so my favorite I, parts about him. <laughs> exactly. So yes. Yeah, so like what if you, like, what if you, you have to like, like get to the mess hall and like get the knives and I don't know, get the, you know, the, the fryer basket or you know whatever it is the corkscrew you know whatever yeah and you, ha- and you have to collect them up and like throw them away before you know jason gets there and if you're not fast enough you know jason will come in and you know he'll he'll grab one of them and like you know impale you in the face and then it's like okay on to the next castle or i guess right <laughs> dude okay yeah no i like this because th- that gives you an opportunity to do one of the scariest things uh that would happen in, in games like maniac mansion because a lot of times you're sneaking around a lot of those games it's like you know and it's it is side scrolling so you don't know what's at the next screen. Like you just yeah. kind of like wandering over and then you, you click on the edge of the screen and, and the screen shifts over and suddenly there's like, oh shit, there's a bad guy there and you got to run away. Um, so like, especially if we never know where Jason is, like we're wandering around the camp, we're trying to collect all these weapons, like you said, you know, trying to like set it up for a way to defeat him while also trying to keep the the campers and counselors and all that, trying to keep them safe. So I, I, what I'm picturing is like the mess hall scene, like you mentioned, where if you get there at the wrong time, Jason could already be there. <laughs> you have to like quickly nice. grab the item and run, you know, while he's just <laughs> chasing after you. And the thing I like about this is the LJN game and the Commodore 64 game, 
they made it where Jason wasn't that scary because you could beat him. You know, you could like, I mean, in mm-hmm. the case of Commodore 64, you just hit him with an axe several times and it started over. It's um, even worse than the NES game because you just fucking throw rocks at him. <laughs> right. Or, or you punch him, you know. Like, and, and can I just say, too, again, not having like the booklet as a kid, I didn't realize that these weird monsters popping up out of the ground were supposed to be zombies because they look just like Sasquatches. So I always just <laughs> thought it was like, why does Jason have like an army of Bigfoot? You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my God. That's so much better. I feel like I need to draw like Jason commanding a legion of Bigfoots. I mean, he does live in the woods you know (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i i you just gave me an idea for a drawing i think that needs to happen Um, i think so i think so too but yeah (laughs) it'd be awesome too if like you know there are items that you can collect that can protect you like you're collecting weapons that you're going to throw away so that jason can't get to them but then maybe also like you find an old sweater and it's like okay so if you find the old sweater then and when if you see jason for Ah. you have to make as long as he's not like looking at you or you can run away first like you throw the sweater on and then when jason like you know catches up or he looks in your direction he gets confused because he thinks he's your like you're his mama and you see like little stars fly around his head and where he's like loopy for a second and you run away like he's stunned he's stunned you know yeah no i dig that that's that's cool and and that would that goes in line with this type of gameplay um because again like i played i played the shit out of point and click adventure games as a kid uh because again having the commodore most of the games available to me were games like that and um you know like i spent most of my my early childhood playing stuff like Zack McCracken and Maniac Mansion and Labyrinth and all that, the old LucasArts yep. games. Um, I think I said, I called them LucasFilms earlier. I meant LucasArts. But uh, but yeah, like I played the shit out of them games. And, and one of the things that you would often have in those types of games were the, the, the fear of, like I said, you know, the enemy coming at you. But you had to like take the time to be like, you know, click on use, then click on, like, click through your inventory, click on the item. And this is all (laughs) happening in real time. Like shit's coming at you and you're like, ah, crap, I can't do it fast enough. You know? (laughs) So like having that aspect to this would still amp up the fear level. Like, Oh God, I got to put on the sweater. He's chasing me. You know? (laughs) Yeah. You'd be so anxious. Like, Oh shit, hurry up, hurry up. And like, but and, and so like there has to be like a clock or a watch or something on the screen. So you, so I think the whole point would be you're exploring the game and just like in Maniac Mansion, you're like making notes the whole time. Okay, so if I go into this room at like this time, like I know that Jason's not in there, so I can go in there and I can get the stuff. And like so that way, if you go into the mess hall and oh shit, Jason's in there, you know he's got a corkscrew. Like when you die, the idea is like okay, what time was it? So then you're you're gonna try to map out like okay, so yeah. now I know where Jason is because he's like walking around the camp, you know, looking for weapons or looking for counselors or whatever he's doing. So you're eventually going to be able to like map that out and learn where he is so that you can run around and then like figure out the secret. Like you said, there might be a couple of different combinations depending on how many characters we have uh, where it's like, okay, so if it's these two characters survive, then you have to do this combination of things, you know, like you have, like if it's Tina, for example, you 
Ben, you mentioned like a fire, but like, what if it's like, if you, if it's just Tina alone and nobody else, then you have to lure Jason to like the puddle under the power line, you know, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) That kind of, right. Or whatever, that kind of a thing. So something like that, where if you're, you know, if it's, if it's Tommy by himself and you have to like lure Jason to, you know, the, the, the rowboat. But prior to that, you have to like find the oar or whatever, you know, and find the chain chain and the big, (laughs) yeah. And the big boulder. And so it's like it's it's like you know that there's an ending and it, it's helpful if, if it could be Tommy and Megan then okay so it's going to be a lot easier because you're going to be able to like set up the boulder and the chain and Megan's going to like distract Jason for you so you have more time so you definitely want to yeah. make sure that Megan survives like that kind of a thing. Yeah, no, I think that, that that would make a really fucking fun game especially at the time plus it would ratchet up the tension. And it would be a good example of an early survival horror because realistically, like, that's what you want out of a Friday the 13th game. You want that level of fear. Getting getting off topic for a second, uh, at least off of our, our homemade game here, going into the modern Friday the 13th game that came out uh, on, you know, PS4 and Xbox and, play, and uh, PC and all that, that is like the perfect Friday the 13th game. Because, I mean, the only thing that sucks about it is you're playing online with other people, and it can, that can be a bad experience. But you get to play as either a counselor or Jason, and you never know which. It's like, you know, you, you basically enter into a an, into a room to, to play the game, and somebody is randomly picked to play as Jason. And then if you're Jason, you run around and try to kill all the counselors. If you're one of the counselors, you try to figure out a way to escape Jason you know, before he kills everybody. And the more people you have, the the quicker you can do it. You know, it's like you can call for help, you know, call the cops, you can call, uh, you can get uh, parts for a car, put the car together, get the fuck out of there, find parts for a boat, get, you know, get the boat together, get the fuck out of there. Basically, it's all about escaping Jason before he kills you. And the fear level is very high because Jason is always there. That persistent feeling of Jason following you is terrifying. Um, Having played that quite a bit, I've had both the experiences where I was on the edge of my seat running from Jason and had the experience of being Jason hunting people. <laughs> and it's been amazing. But, <laughs> nice. You know, it's it's oh, it, it's such a fun game. But that that's also modern. You know, back in the day, you know, our, our quote unquote survival horror was, uh, you know, very simplistic. You know, the. Like I said, the the early Friday the 13th game is just run around with an axe and whack people. It wasn't until, I think, Alone in the Dark in the early 90s that we actually had, like, a true survival horror. Um, and it, it was very much like this. It was a point-and-click adventure game, but it had some fighting. And, and that's kind of what we're proposing here, is to have, like, an early point-and-click adventure with, like, a little bit of, not not so much fighting, but, like, distraction, like, ways to stop Jason and I think because we couldn't kill him until the end of the game, um, that would constantly keep that persistent fear level high. And I, I don't know. I, honestly, I feel like if they did that, if they went that route, I'd still be playing it to this day. I mean, I still love Maniac Mansion, so. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, Maniac Mansion is, you know, a classic. But it's and it's one of those games that's really difficult if you're just like a really if you're a super casual gamer because you really do have to like stop and like figure things out and make notes and remember you know where the characters are and what combinations of objects do this or that so like it's definitely a game that that requires some investment but it really pays off if you are persistent enough to 
keep going and to like figure out the mysteries. And it's very satisfying in that way. Like some games are great because they're just side scrolling, beat em ups or punch em ups or shoot em ups or whatever. And those things are great. But it's always nice when you can like figure out the, uh, you know, the secret, especially when there's like multiple endings, right? And then something, because then that you have that replayability where even if you beat it, well, now you want to go back and you want to beat it again and beat it again and beat it again because there's not just like a different cutscene at the end, but like an actual different way to end the game, like a different means to reach the finale. Right. And and that's the the, the great thing about uh, those old point and click adventures is nine times out of ten, there was there was several ways to achieve the same goal or a similar goal. Um, so it's like like one of the things I, I always think of is like in uh, in Zach McCracken, there's a scene where you have to, like, get the attention of the store owner and he's not listening to you. So, like, you have to find a way to make noise. And it's like. If you have the harmonica, you can play the harmonica and get his attention. If you don't have that, you can pick up like this random sign and smack his window with it and get his <laughs> attention. So there's like different ways to get his attention, but one way is going to annoy him. One way isn't going to annoy him. And they had that all throughout those games. Like in Maniac Mansion, if you had Sid and I forget, I forget the one girl who was basically trash from Return of the Living Dead. <laughs> but if you if you had those two characters, you could call Edna and like talk dirty to her and keep her on the phone. <laughs> but if yeah. you had what, like if you had Bernard, you couldn't do that. Cause he was like, you know, he was all like lame. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and I, I loved that the games always had those like multiple routes to choose. And I feel like with something like this, having the different survivors, the different counselors, you know, and having the different methods of distraction, like you could always have that replayability factor. Like, oh, well, what if Tina did this instead of doing that with Tommy? Like, what, what would be the outcome? Yeah. And I, I think one of the things that we would have to have is we'd have to take a cue from the Commodore 64 and have death scenes, like kill scenes. So, like, if Jason mm-hmm. gotcha, you'd have, like, a static image pop up on the screen, like, you know, Tommy with a machete through his chest or something like that. Yeah, you know, or or do those like uh, the silhouettes they used to do in some games, like again, I think it's some of the Zelda games where it's like the screen goes like a like all pink or all red. Oh yeah, a silhouette of a character, and it's like his hands hands are up, and there's a machete through his chest, and you see Jason's mask. That way, it's not like too bloody for like the parent groups, you know. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and it could be like a whole variety of those. And again, too, so people who want to replay it, there's all different ways to to beat the game different varieties but there's also like oh i want to see all the death scenes or you know right. whatever you want to and, and put throw some cool easter eggs in there like some cool items from the game like the harpoon gun and right. you know obviously like the machete and maybe they find like roy's like fake mask with like the blue triangle and one guy's like you know <laughs> and you can use it like maybe like the sweater like you can use it to try and trick jason or you know whatever <laughs> you know right well, <laughs> you know, I mean, the- good Oh, I was gonna say that, that's the thing. Like, the, the options are endless with these types of games because they always had like an underlying level of humor, which I feel fits this franchise perfectly. Because especially at the time, like Part Six, we 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 discussed that over on the Boogeyman's Closet. You know, you were on that episode. We, we talked about how silly it is. Like, it's got so much humor while still playing up the scares. And mm-hmm. I feel like at this time in the franchise, if we were to do a Maniac Mansion style video game, we would have the silly factor in there along with the fear. So hell yeah. Yeah. Maybe put on the Roy mask and, and Jason like does the, the confused dog head tilt and like has like a question <laughs> yeah. mark bubble over his head. 
<laughs> yeah, that'd be great. And like I mentioned too, like and well, you mentioned how you can like distract certain characters by making noise. And I had said earlier, like, what if you have Megan and Megan is gonna like distract Jason so you know Tommy can get the boulder or whatever. So like, yeah, maybe they find like the noisemaker from like part you know seven right. and like you can you can blow that you know or whatever you know just just cool stuff like that you know where you just go through the game go through all the movies and find some of the interesting like weapons or found objects that jason like used to kill people and like the little uh, football handheld games from part two that you know the <laughs> the guy in the wheelchair was playing and you know just yep. cool stuff like that like there's all kinds of interesting you know concepts and yeah you, you can confuse jason and you can like lure him into a certain place because you want to put him into a trap or maybe you have one character who distract, distracts him so another character can like past him to do something and yeah there's all kinds of cool possibilities there um and then maybe at one point like too it'd be fun it'd be fun too if there was a scene where like if like one of the alternate endings where all of the other counselors or the kids or whoever you know all of the fodder characters get killed but like your your playable characters are still alive in some way and so it would just be like you know you would hear a scream and then the screen would go black and then you would just see like police lights and sirens. Like it was the next day <laughs> and like the police are all there finding the bodies. And it was like, yep, yeah, that was it. You know, you lose. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you've got blame for Jason's killing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. It would be like the part two and part three when like the police show up and yep. they're like, it's a, it, you always see like the one country, the one country sheriff who like takes his head off. He's like, it's a hell of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah that'd be fun like you said too, like you get blamed for it you like you go to jail and danding is just like you know you know tommy behind bars like you gotta listen to me sheriff <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that would be awesome yeah, no, uh, I, yeah. Uh, i'd play the shit out of this game <laughs> oh hell yeah dude i want to go play it right now and so you know go ahead <laughs> going back to our rant for a minute while we wrap this up it's like especially because i know that this game can exist because maniac mansion existed and there were so many great games for the nes that were like had complicated game mechanics and in detailed and interesting stories and you know it, legend of zelda itself is a great example of a game that had so many different possibilities like there's so many different ways to play the game and even when you look at the games that were based on properties from other media maybe not lgn but man there was amazing games like ducktales and chippendale rescue oh, rangers and little nemo and it's like it wasn't just oh it's a movie so it's gonna suck no no it was you could make some really really cool games out of cartoons and movie properties and this one just got the shaft yeah i feel like a lot of them unfortunately just they they did exactly what you had said earlier with lgn where they were like it's a toy put it out there the kids will buy it so a lot of time and effort wasn't put in, and I'm sure the resources weren't given to the developers. So it was just like, here, make this, make it make sense. And they just took, you know, what they knew, what they could do in, in the time frame they had and, you know, pumped it out there. I mean, there are some cases where, you know, it, it kind of worked with the lore of the property, like the Nightmare on Elm Street game. Um, I would argue of the two, Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street, I think Nightmare on Elm Street was a better game, but Friday the 13th was more memorable, um, maybe because it was so bad. <laughs> but <laughs> with Nightmare on Elm Street, the, the one thing I thought that was cool was you constantly shifted between the waking world and the dream world. And... I mean, granted, it was dumb because, like, uh, you're just, like, jumping over snakes and, like, punching bats and shit. 
Um, and eventually you would fight Freddy in like various boss fight battles. But you were like going through the dream world uh, fighting ghosts. And then in the real world, you were trying to collect Freddy's scattered bones uh, to lay him to rest. And um, I remember playing that as a kid and having fun, like actually enjoying the platforming aspect of it. And because it was more straightforward than Friday the 13th, it was like, you know, here you are as this character, you're running around, you know, you, I forgot what happens, like how you fall asleep, but you run around punching like, you know, snakes and bats, like, okay, those make sense as bad guys. And then you go into the dream world and it's like Frankensteins and ghosts. So it's like, okay, I'm still punching bad guys. And you were collecting items that made sense. Like, oh, there's bones there. I, I can collect that. I, you know, I have so many bones in my inventory. Okay, cool. I got to keep going. Um, and then if you found like a radio, you would wake up. So like you could get out of the dream world, which was, I want to say the dream world was more difficult. Like the enemies were stronger, um, but you also had dream powers. Like you could jump higher, you could punch harder, stuff like that. Um, so they took a lot of elements from the dream warriors, but the game itself, I never beat it. Like, I, I, I remember just renting it on, on a weekend, again, staying at my friend's house. Um, we played the shit out of it and had a lot of fun. But it's it was your standard platformer, you know? And I feel like that was the problem with most of these, uh, you know, properties turned into video games, was they were like, what's the quickest way we can turn a buck? And they're like, platformers are popular, do that. You know, and they shoehorn the storyline in, whereas with what we're proposing is actually, hey, let's take the mythology and, and figure out a way to actually scare the player. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And there are so many things like so many games like the Lethal Weapon and the Rambo and the Robocop, the NES. They were like the same fucking game. Like they were using the oh, same yeah. kind of code or the same, you know, uh, underlying structure. Like you said, just platforming, like have them go and like shoot some random object at some other like random bad guy. And it, it, the story was just an afterthought. And, like, the character was like overlaid like a skin on some other <laughs> game that was terrible rather than like building something interesting, like some of the other, you know, game developers did, you know, other than LJN. Obviously. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we know that they could have made a great game. Uh, Nintendo dropped the ball by giving LGN so many uh, uh, licenses or so many rights to produce games for the Nintendo Entertainment System, and LGN obviously just didn't give a shit. They were, you know, smoking big cigars and laughing all the way to the bank. But uh, they're, it's just such a huge missed opportunity, uh, not just for this game, but for so many other ones. So, yeah, this was now, fun. Uh, go ahead. I was going to say, the one thing I will give LJN is the iconic look of the video game Jason, which has persisted to this day. That weird, like, neon purple and blue Jason. I actually have an action figure of it from NECA. Um, it's a skin in the modern Friday the 13th game. And most famously, Kane Hodder himself dressed up in a real version of that costume to let people take photos with the video game Jason, which is pretty damn badass. Yes, <laughs> so. that is. I'm glad you mentioned that, too, because I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, I do really like that weird design because it is so weird and people complain about it all the time. Like, you know, oh, he looks like some kind of like 80s day glow nightmare or whatever. But I think it's really interesting. And it's I do, too. If anything else, it's striking. It's distinctive. And it's st stood the test of time, to your point. And, you know, and yep. a lot of people still really like it. Even people who hate the game, they find, you know, something to enjoy with uh, purple and turquoise. You know, <laughs> Jason, he looks like yep. he should be gl glowing in the dark or something. So he, he looks um, like a blacklight poster. 
<laughs> he does. That's exactly what he looks like. <laughs> and the cover, the box art to the game, which we mentioned earlier, is a great image. That awesome picture of Jason with the axe from part seven. You know, my daughter had a similar picture on her phone case for the longest time, and I thought it was so fucking cool. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. There was a lot of opportunity. The game can be fun if you're patient enough with it. There's fun to be had. It's not a complete shit fest. You know, it's not, you know, Jekyll and Hyde to go back oh, to the God. angry video. <laughs> game references you know what i mean like there's yeah. certainly worse games out there um but yeah this will be fun i'm, I'm definitely bummed we won't get to play this one so right. I, hope, I hope somebody somebody out there listening you know makes a cool rom or something that we can play that would be somebody awesome, go but... make a fan game damn it <laughs> <laughs> all right all right mike uh, this was good though and i appreciate this uh this was a, a, a nice way to mix up our improv and rant episodes do something a little bit interesting we've got some really fun episodes coming up planned for the future not only for raised by rentals but for the boogeyman's closet and count creepyhead saturday morning monster mash as well um, and I want to take the time to do a Rad Panther shout out for one of the other creative projects that's a part of the Rad Pantheon, our art collective of podcasters, artists, musicians, and other creative people that we've banded together with to support each other and uh, you know just help spread the word. So I want to mention uh, the Heretic Party podcast hosted by Christian Atley and Joe Blablazo. I met those guys when I was living out in El Paso for a little while. They were super welcoming to me super cool and they're living in different different parts of the country now as am i and we've gotten back in touch uh years later become friends again joe blazo is an amazing artist and christian's a super uh smart and electric you know kind of a personality they've got leanne collins working with them as well as a researcher and yeah it's a great show that explores life beyond religion for anyone who has been a part of uh Christianity or Mormonism or any other religious background, uh, and you've some sort of come out of that life and moved into what they refer to as a post-religious awareness. Uh, it's a great podcast where you know they kind of just look back at what it was like to grow up in those types of communities and what it's like now to have a new community of people who are have like-minded beliefs or you know they're not really believing in anything now. So uh, it may not be for everybody, but it is a podcast for a states and if you're interested in that go check out hereticparty.com and everywhere on the social medias as heretic party yeah so you can also check out this podcast at radpantheon.com and see a list of all of the other creative projects you can find out more about our show here at raised by rentals all over the social media and at raisedbyrentals.com we would love to get some feedback and if you have an idea for something that you want to rant about or listen to us improv improve for next time let us know and with that i'm josh now mike and we have to return some videotapes Raised by Rentals is a member of the Rad Pantheon Network. Visit radpantheon.com to support Rad Stuff. The theme music is Forbidden Fruit by Velvet Bethany. You can purchase music and learn more at velvetbethany.com. This game is fucking horrible! <laughs>